The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Oh, it's it's very common to hear the basic instructions. Know what is happening in experience just as it is. Don't try to control, don't try to create an experience that you think should be happening. Don't try to get rid of an experience that you don't like. It's very common to hear this and then think that we should be able to just suddenly stop all of that controlling, that resisting, that wanting that not liking, that our minds are so deeply conditioned to be engaged in. And yet, when we sit, we, we witness the, the momentum of our minds. Our minds are, are going to continue doing what they've been conditioned to do over many years. And so, of course, as we sit in our practice, what we're going to to see are the ways that our minds have become conditioned to try to control, to try to get rid of, to try to get pleasant experiences. And in this we find ourselves trying to get rid of experiences that feel like they're not okay and try to make it feel only okay. And in the process, often just adding more aversion and tying ourselves in knots. And this kind of knot of the mind is not untangled through pulling harder, but rather through through relaxing, through giving it room. When we're aware of reactivity, when we're aware of a tangle or a knot in our hearts and minds, and knowing it just as it is, and we're creating that room, making room around it, And in that room where there's less identification with it, less struggle that's that's just tightening that tangle, tightening that knot, it becomes an object of our meditation rather than something that is in the way of our meditation, rather rather than something that is driving the show. In that space, in that room, those knots can be transformed, can be untangled in a way that is not possible when we're trying to get rid of it. This is not a complacency that just lets unwholesome patterns of the mind rip unchecked but it's a a meeting of them with an interest and awareness that transforms them 
not out of aversion, not out of trying to get rid of them, but through understanding them. We can't truly understand that which we're constantly trying to to change or get rid of. And as we do learn about the nature of our reactivity, the nature of our experience, as we do learn what really gives rise to to stress and what gives rise to to well-being and happiness and ease, then these patterns become a fuel for the practice. They actually cultivate greater freedom as we learn to meet them more skillfully. So the the path does eventually lead to a freedom that is a complete absence of reactivity, a complete absence of greed, aversion, and delusion. And on the way to that complete absence is the non-arising of any reactivity whatsoever. Can there be a freedom in knowing reactivity as simply conditioned activity of the mind, knowing it just as it is? Can there be a freedom with any experience that is not characterized by identification with it or struggling against it or making it a problem? As our practice and understanding deepens, the relationship to experience changes. And one of the ways it it can change is we can come to see that all of this activity of the mind is simply an ephemeral, insubstantial condition arising. It's a it's an empty fabrication. There's there's not really anything there, nothing real or solid that can be made into something that is an obstacle or is um, something that needs to be struggled against. It's just the the display of the mind. Even after the Buddha's awakening, it's said that he was visited by Mara. In the the early discourses of the Buddha, Mara is the the character, the, the personification of these reactive tendencies, these reactive states of mind, of greed, aversion, and delusion. And even after the Buddha's awakening, he was visited by Mara. And in every instance, he simply said, I see you, Mara. I see you, Mara. And in that, Mara lost all of his power. 
can there be a knowing of feeling like things are not okay, this experience is not okay, this, I, I need to change this experience, I need to get out of this experience. Can there be a knowing of that that is on some level actually okay? You can know this experience of feeling like it's not okay. Know that experience as just an experience, as something that is not actually necessarily a problem, something that actually can be okay. It's the awareness and understanding the, the relationship to experience, a relationship of kindness, of discernment, non-reactivity, that transforms an, an unwholesome state into a moment of wholesome cultivation. Part of the the shift in understanding that allows for this non-reactivity, this unentangled knowing, even, even a knowing of reactivity, is the deepening understanding of experience as nature that what arises in our experience is is lawful is an expression of nature and the more and more the mind learns to not take experience so personally the more room there is for even those experiences that we tend to view as, as a problem or as in the way of being okay, that those experiences can just simply be known as they are and simply be allowed to be here because it's, there's no confusion about what they are. They're just, just the natural display of the mind. One teacher described the practice as giving back to nature that which we have mistakenly appropriated as our own. The more that we relate to experience as as nature, the less we need our experience to conform to ideas about how it should be, how, how we, we think it needs to be. And more and more is there 
a background or a foundation of a deep well-being, a deep kind of ease and health and goodness and beauty. There can be a beauty and love and joy even in the knowing of the arising of of craving or of greed or aversion. Because there's no entanglement, there's no identification with it in that moment. There's just knowing experience as experience. No problem. And the practice deepens and opens into more of an more of an abiding in present moment awareness, imbued with an understanding of the nature of experience that allows for a powerful and beautiful equanimity, strength, capacity, and wholeness in the midst of any experience. The freedom for any experience to arise and for that to not diminish this foundation of capacity, of strength, of goodness, of balance, so that we're available to meet anything that arises in our experience in the world with greater wisdom, with greater compassion, and with a much more effective and attuned response. One of the central teachings of the Buddha is that of that of right effort or right energy. And this has several parts to it, but basically it's the the effort to to cultivate wholesome qualities and the effort to abandon unwholesome qualities. And sometimes there can be the arising of an unwholesome state. It's recognized as such, and there's simply a natural releasing of that. That can be a manifestation of right effort. Oh, I don't, I don't actually need to be feeding this greed, feeding this aversion. Uh, and it just naturally falls away. Just a a natural expression or movement of this resonance with non-clinging, resonance with this innate well-being. And sometimes these uh, an unwholesome pattern will arise 
and it has a lot of momentum. It will persist. And it's, it can't simply be released in the sense that it it ceases, uh, it stops completely. And in that in that case, right, effort isn't necessarily to to struggle and strain to try to get rid of it. Right? Effort can be actually to to know it as it is, to to understand it, to, to create room around it. As we as we meet unwholesome states with awareness, with interest, we're actually putting in place the conditions that give rise to their decreasing. And as we are aware of or mindful of wholesome states, states like like kindness, like patience, like non-clinging, that mindfulness resonates with the the natural well-being of that state, and it naturally increases. And so in being with experience as it is, with awareness, with understanding, with knowing that it is simply experience and discerning what is wholesome and what is unwholesome, we are already already satisfying right effort. We're already engaging in right effort. We can find this this space of okayness, even with the experience of not okay. When it's known as it is, as an experience, as nature, when it's not identified with, then no experience is a problem. Even the experience of this is a problem. Well, this is a, a reflection that um, I'd love to hear any thoughts, reflections, or questions um, from you all about, or any practice reflections uh, that may be coming up that are not not necessarily related or are also welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks, sorry. So I feel like I've been really just for some while um, just sort of like glommed on to the object in 
both in meditation and daily life, like knowing, you know, sights and sounds and all that sensory stuff and knowing the the attitudes and knowing the opinions and really noticing like, yeah, how strong in the movement, the movement is to, um, you know, move towards the pleasant and move away and try to get rid of the unpleasant. And I feel like I've just been like, you know, that's been the practice is just constantly like noticing, noticing, noticing that, that, that. And, and then I just, I just sat an eight day retreat with, um, uh, among other people with Guy and Sally Armstrong and the way they taught the, the knowing of the field of consciousness. And it, it like completely flipped the whole script, like, like knowing in that way, like paying attention to the consciousness rather than the object itself was, was like, at least at this moment, it was like the missing piece to that, like that, that judgment and that like, okay, yeah, I'm knowing that there's a version and I want to get rid of it. And I'm trying to know that, but it just feels like it just goes in a cycle. And then it's like, well, what knows? Well, what knows that? And it's like, oh, and then I get so interested in that, that it's like, I'm still knowing all the sensory stuff and I'm still knowing the pleasant, the unpleasant, the movement, but it's like, there's also this, like, I feel like there's this, like, huge bigger picture that was being missed. And, and, and I guess I'm also wondering, cause I've been feeling a little confused for the last about two weeks or so, like, what Sayadaw Tanzania is teaching as far as like open awareness and like what Guy and Sally are offering as, as a way of, of paying attention to the field of consciousness are those the same are like those this they don't feel like the same thing but like. <laughs> yeah yeah um oh yeah beautiful to hear that um the resonance with the recognizing kind of sometimes what it's called uh, recognizing the nature of the mind and recognizing the nature of awareness as and making that the primary object. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's uh, a much more common uh, technique in particularly in Tibetan uh, practices and Tibetan lineages. And there are also, there are also are some Theravada lineages that emphasize the nature of awareness, recognizing the nature of awareness. And um, so to, to speak to the connection to Saida's teachings, um, yeah, very much, very much compatible, very much the same thing. Um, Saida actually often will will differentiate between uh, what's called like object oriented awareness. Like, yeah, you're f- the, the, uh, what you're knowing is like the, yeah, the sight sounds, the thoughts, whatever, whatever, et cetera, the, the specific objects rather than um, awareness oriented practice. And Sayadaw actually often does emphasize just recognize the awareness don't worry so much about 
focusing on the objects that awareness knows. And for some people, this is a really supportive pointing. And it sounds like it is for you. And I would only encourage, only encourage you to, to listen to that, to follow that, to trust that. Um, and for others, that pointing is a bit elusive. And what is available is just knowing the objects. And eventually that does open into, for many people, um, recognizing the background nature of awareness of, and of the mind as the kind of the fascination with or the tendency to glom onto the objects falls away. There is a natural kind of recognizing the space of the mind itself that is knowing. Um, and so if it's, if it is supportive and available to recognize as a direct pointing, that's a, that's a really beautiful and skillful way to practice. And I would, I, that's completely compatible with what Utejaniya teaches. Yeah. Thank you. I've been wondering that for like about two and a half weeks and, and it, it's just been, I figured it was probably, it feels kind of onward leading. So I figured it was probably okay, but, um, and it really, it's been like the thing that's lo- allowing me to not take everything so personally. It's just like, oh, that's all just happening. Like, yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I only encourage that. I, I similarly resonate with that style of, of practice and, um, Saida will sometimes point people in that direction, but often will, will just encourage being with kind of however the mind is attending. He'll say sometimes the mind will, will mostly notice the awareness or will be more, more oriented to the awareness. And sometimes the mind will be more oriented to the objects. If it's supportive for you to incline towards the awareness and by all means do, and can just play with seeing that sometimes the mind might actually move between the two and, and there can be a malleability there and a really valuable learning about perception too, in, in seeing the, the shift between these two modes of, of attending. Um, so yeah, I just, just encourage curiosity there. And, um, when one practitioner mentioned to Sayadaw noticing that it feels like there are almost like two tracks of experience. Like there's all the objects that are being known. And then it feels like there's this silence or space or openness. And that feels like it's its own track to experience. And Sayadaw said, that's the awareness. (laughs) That's the awareness. Yeah. So that can be a really, really, uh, as you said, onward leading um, recognition. Yeah. Thank you. I see that we're at time. Um, so I'll close, close us out. But if there are any lingering questions, I'm happy to, to um, hang out for a few minutes. But um, we'll end with a brief dedication of merit. 
may the, the goodness of our practice ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be free. <laughs>